Hey everybody, welcome back to some sanity with Morgan Seggers. I'm so excited to be back. Guess who's back? That wasn't the right movie. I'll be back. That's the that's the movie. Um, and then guess who's back? Back again. I tried to combine those on accident. My bad. Okay. Well, I'm back. I was gone last week because Jared and I had a fun trip. I usually go with him for his nitro circus stuff. If you guys like do extreme sporting things. Jared does a lot of the commentary on the track for the races that Pastrana, Nitro Circus, and those guys have been doing. Um, And then it goes on like Fox Sports 1 or like CBS and stuff like that. So we filmed that. We were up in Pastrana land and that was super fun. I've never been. Um, So that was super fun. We went to Nashville after that and we went to the Black Rifle Roasting Facility, which smelled delicious. Um, And Jared did a concert and then we came back, and then this week I'm super excited. I move into my new house. So I've had my house for a few weeks, two weeks maybe? Yeah, I got the keys like two weeks ago maybe, and I've been painting ever since because I've had all this time before I have to like actually move out of my apartment. My lease doesn't end until end of May, so I've had a little time, but this is the week, and it was kind of funny. I was just on the phone with my mom in case anybody can like relate to adulting doing adulting things for the first time I was on the phone with my mom and she's like so how's the packing go and I'm just like sitting at my desk looking at everything the way it normally is nothing is packed I I I don't know but the movers come in two days so great stuff uh I'm sorry I didn't do the episode last week I just I'm trying to figure out the schedule and it's hard for me when like half and half of everything is at the house in the apartment um in terms of like setup because I have a lot of stuff that I've just had delivered that I want to start using for the podcast and for everything. But in terms of like an update, I'm really excited because one of the rooms at my house is going to be made into like a full on media room. So for YAS, my nonprofit, Young Americans Against Socialism, we're really going to start amping up the level of live content, long form content and current events like immediate reaction content and updates that we're going to be putting out and so that's what this whole media room is going to be about of like being able to stream onto twitch facebook youtube all at the same time and what we want to start with is is basically like an update on wednesdays i think we're going to do it where we just do like a full-on update of what happened in the progressive caucus this week any achievements that the socialists have done the radical left like for example a great story is going to be what we're talking about today with this the guy from the military who got fired after speaking up about the Marxism that he was experiencing. We're going to find and accumulate a list of all the radical leftist stuff that's gone on each week and then do an entire like one hour stream that'll turn into an episode to be posted on all platforms the next day. That's what we're going to do for Yas. We also have a fun podcast that's coming out for Um, Young Americans Against Socialism that will be called Survivors of Socialism and each episode is an individual and we just kind of talk about their story it's super casual and it gets me going every time because I'm just so emotional and and moved by what these people have been through I mean it's just amazing compared to like what I do and I'm sure what you do on a daily basis these people are like we're walking among giants it's just so cool so I filmed a bunch of episodes for that already but my goal is to eventually move everything into this house later this week and we are going to start cranking out that content and it's going to get rolling in June. So timeline's going well. Just got to finish the dang painting of the trim. (laughs) Uh, But I did, you know, I I did get the mover scheduled, so I did a good job on that. This week, mm, 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 mm. what are we talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm so out of it. Uh, We're talking about what I just literally said 
a commander in the Space Force, uh, was just fired because he decided to speak out about the Marxism that he, and the radical leftist indoctrination that he's experiencing of our military members behind the scenes. <sighs> you guys, I'm called the McCarthy all the time, but the commies are alive and they're running around. They're out and about, and we got to figure this out. Uh, we're going to talk about breaking down this story. We're going to look really deep into it and examine what the heck happened and what this guy's saying. And then we're going to talk about the major mask updates that just happened because a lot of really cool stuff occurred, and I'm pretty pumped. Um, but first, let's see. Let's look at this article first. It's from military.com by Oriana Pollock. Am I saying that right? Uh, it's titled Space Force CEO who got holiday call from Trump fired over comments decrying Marxism in the military. Now, is it just me? Because this article seemed to like lean a little left. Is it just me? Or was it unnecessary to include that he got a holiday call from Trump? Were they just trying to put him in a Trumpy light? In a negative light? I don't know. Uh, seems a little sus. A little suspicious. Uh, the article says... Quote, a commander of a U.S. Space Force unit tasked with de detecting ballistic missile launches has been fired for comments made during a podcast promoting his new book, which claims Marxist ideologies are becoming prevalent in the United States military. Oh, chills. That's not good. Um, Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer. I had to watch uh, Sean Hannity to figure out how to pronounce that. Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer commander of the 11th Space Warning Squadron at Buckley Air Force Base in Colorado, was relieved from his post Friday by Lieutenant General Stephen Whiting, the head of Space Operations Command, over a loss of confidence in his ability to lead. Military.com has exclusively learned. So, loss in confidence of his ability to lead. Interesting. I would prefer a leader that is against Marxism. Just me. Just me. Not too political. Just me. Um... This decision was based on public comments made by Lieutenant Colonel Lohmeyer in a recent podcast, said a spokesperson of Space Force in a recent email. Lieutenant General Whiting has initiated a command-directed investigation on whether these comments constituted prohibited partisan political activity. Now, here's the thing. So I get it. The military is not supposed to be political. That's kind of the point of why this guy's speaking out, because it's becoming political. And so is it political for the Marxism to occur or is it political for somebody to finally say, hey, there's politicalization of the military here. Can I speak up on it and get people to start becoming more aware? The American people deserve to know, which is political because I totally get it. The military should not ever be political. Partisan political activity, not allowed. I totally understand that. So what is this guy doing that's so political? Let's find out. <sighs> Earlier this month, Lohmeyer, a former instructor and fighter pilot who transferred into the Space Force, self-published a book titled Irresistible Revolution, Marxism's Goal of Conquest and the Unmaking of the American Military. Sounds like my bread and butter, and I love bread and butter. Mm, yum. Uh, now I'm getting distracted because I'm thinking of an Italian food. Um, okay. So, quote, Irresistible Revolution is a timely and bold contribution from an active duty Space Force lieutenant colonel who sees the impact of a neo-Marxist agenda at the ground level within our armed forces, a description of the book reads. That's pretty cool. So this is a guy, ground level in our armed forces, and he is saying 
then he's seeing the impact of a neo-Marxist agenda at the ground level of our military. Fascinating. You love to hear it. The red, white, and blue in my veins is just pumping. We're getting it. So exciting. Um, Lohmeyer sat down last week with L. Todd Wood of the podcast Information Operation, hosted by Creative Destruction, or CD Media, to promote the book. He spoke with... Oh, he spoke about U.S. institutions, including universities, media, and federal agencies, including the military, that he said are increasingly adopting leftist practices. Do you know how nice it is? I, I hate to hear it because, like, I don't want to be right about this, but do you know how nice it is to hear that I'm not crazy? That when I say every institution or almost every institution and the infrastructure of our country is under attack in a subtle way, I don't want to feel crazy about it, but people look at me like I'm crazy sometimes. And it's nice to be a little validated by this. At the same time, I don't want it to be true. So we'll, you know, wishy-washy on this. Uh, let's see. These practices, such as diversity and inclusion training, are the systemic cause for the divisive climate across America today, he said. Hmm. Okay, so then it goes into um, Austin, who I guess is a military leader, his last name. So it says this military leader named Austin on February 5th ordered all military services to observe one day stand down on extremism in the ranks. As part of his stand down, Lohmeyer said he was given a booklet that cited the January 6th riot at the Capitol as an example of extremism, but did not mention the civil disobedience and destruction of property that took place following the death of George Floyd. Okay. Now, first of all, what just came out literally a few days ago is that footage of the Capitol Police officer inside. I think he's literally like, he's not in the rotunda, but it looks like he's like right, he's in the Capitol basically. They're inside the Capitol talking to these the people, the stormers of the Capitol. And he's like, listen, I understand you guys are, you know, practicing your first amendment right to protest so just do it peacefully yada yada and he's like giving them the okay to walk through the halls of congress and do it so how much of an insurrection are we talking about here people if we've got footage of a capitol police officer who's like yeah you guys i i get you go ahead do it go ahead do it it sounds a little sus and i have some concepts on this and you know some of the stories aren't adding up about why there wasn't more protection around the building or how like this all happened but i'm not gonna get into it i guess maybe another day um so let's see so this pamphlet given out to all members of the military cited january 6 as an example of political extremism but made no mention of any of the 2020 riots that led to deaths led to massive levels of violence destruction i mean millions and millions of dollars of destruction looting beating of people like I, I was terrified I'm still terrified that I'm going to be driving one day and people are going to stop the traffic in the road at the, like the intersections and then go through and start attacking people and while we're on this actually I, I mentioned in a, a one of the last episodes how they aren't waiting like they, they aren't just rioting because they're upset about something. They're waiting for moments to riot and they're looking for justification to riot because it causes chaos. It allows them to push for their message. They aren't just doing it as soon as, you know, something political happens because they're so emotional and frustrated about it. They're just waiting for moments that happen naturally so that they have justification to do it or they're like searching through record books. And 
part of the proof here with what these Black Lives Matter chapters are doing on a local level, so like think town level chapters, chapters of Black Lives Matter, is they're searching through the record books of any situation over the last, you know, years and years and years of where somebody had a potential wrongful death with a police officer, and they're using that as why they should be rioting in the streets of their town. So I'm from Saratoga, New York. I've I've mentioned this before, but last summer, as the George Floyd chaos was was calming down and they still needed reasons for why they were out, like causing destruction in the streets, what they did in Saratoga Springs, New York, where I'm from, is they found a case from like 13 or so years ago of a guy named Daryl Mount, who police were called on him because he was uh, attacking a woman. So being violent against a woman, police were called on him and he ran from the police. He ran so far away from the police that he ran onto a construction site, ran off of scaffolding and fell and, and died. And what happened is he like ended up in a coma for almost a year and then died. But what they're saying now is they're chanting in the streets, say his name, Daryl Mount, say his name, Daryl Mount. They did it in 2020. And I just got footage of my friend, Scott, uh, Scott Varley, Scott Farley. I can't remember the first letter of his last name, but he posted a live walking out of his office. He's my friend from many years ago. And he posted a live video on Facebook and went and filmed these people. And there they are a year later again, chanting the name of somebody that died almost 14 years ago now by running away from police, running off of scaffolding. And now they're using that as the reason for why they're causing chaos in this beautiful small town of upstate New York. What's even creepier, and I was sending this to the Yass people to clip this footage, so hopefully it goes out, but Scott um, is filming just a like they're you know doing their thing where they're standing on stage and yelling in their bullhorns and he's filming from many many yards away and he's approached by these young black men and they're they're challenging him on why they're filming or why they're being filmed and why he's filming and he eventually is so pressured and and it's it's so freaky to watch he turns the camera off and so it, it was sad to see I mean as soon as it hits your hometown it's like oh man I mean like the, no place is is uh, immune to experiencing this this radical leftism. But all back to what we were discussing. What Lohmeyer is saying is that the military is being taught that conservatism and, and what was also listed as extremism, along with like ISIS and Muslim religious extremists, is evangel uh, evangelical Christians and Catholicism. That was, you know, telltale signs of potential political extremism to them. And so what they're saying is that, you know, basic American or you know, basic more conservative leaning values should be viewed as potentially harmful and, you know, same, same level of potential danger as ISIS. So that was awesome. Um, but yeah, nothing mentioned about the people or the movements that are actually getting millions of dollars in donations Antifa that meets weekly to learn how to gouge people's eyes out as Project Veritas exposed. It's it's just disgusting. Along with this pamphlet, though, there was some other information that came out that the critical race theory and the 1619 Project curriculum that's already taught in like 4,500 schools at least in America as of June 2020, is that's the number, that's now being taught to our military members. Do I need to explain the importance of our military understanding basic American history or why we were founded 
or having respect for our founding and our founding values and a deep understanding of what happened there. Apparently, it's not important to the senior people in America's military anymore to make sure people have a basic understanding of the truth. Because now, our military members, it was exposed that they were being taught that America was founded in 1619, not 1776. So one of the big problems I have with the critical race theory curriculum and 1619 project is that they teach that America wasn't founded based on people wanting independence from an oppressive colonial monarchy with the king. And they decided that they deserve to have, you know, classical liberalism and, and freedom, independence, and the ability to make and sell and participate in the economy without being overtaxed. That's gone to complete crap these days in America. But other thing, back to the point, is they're now being taught that instead of us doing that in 1776, we were founded because we wanted to be able to keep slavery here on our shores. And we weren't really sure if that was going to be the case with England if they continued to rule us. So, sorry, I'm just looking. Dan Crunch always tweets cool stuff and it's popping up on my thing. Mm, I don't know what it is. I'll look at it later. But uh, all all of this is, is not only in our school system, it's now being taught to our military. And so I actually, I've been looking more into it, and I'll have hopefully some more details and reports on what's happened over the last year with COVID because I also heard that the trainings that our military members are getting in basic uh, are being watered down, and some information is being left out some pretty crucial lessons that you learn going through basic. And by that, I mean like government setup, federalism, who can give them orders, some really basic stuff that it's imperative for our military members to know. Apparently they aren't being taught it and I'm going to look more into it. Uh, so let's get back to the article about what's going on. Uh, so it says, so it says Lohmeyer also took issue with the Pentagon spokesperson who seemingly alluded to, uh, or, and it seemingly like, seemed, or wait, what? Oh, he also took issue with the Pentagon spokesperson seeming to allude to Press Secretary John Kirby. Lohmeyer claimed Kirby said there are, quote, too many white pilots amid an ever-increasing pilot shortage. And he said in response, if you want to provide that kind of messaging to your already struggling pilot force, you can already expect to see further attention problems. And so really ostracizing, you know, straight white men is something every, <laughs> every infrastructure, uh, every institution does these days, especially controlled by the left. And I feel terrible for the straight white men out there. I mean, even the straight gay men out there are like struggling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, even they're like a little too square for the woke, um, population these days. But it, it it's interesting because it's almost like they're already struggling to get pilots and they're focused more on wokeness. Same thing with the police. Who is going to want to be a police officer after what's happened over the last two years? Who, who, who? Okay, so if we're going to politicize the police, if we're going to politicize the military, it's just going to lead to people, good, honest, hardworking people that have good hearts and want to help others. They're not going to want to be ostracized that way they're not going to want to be attacked just for putting on a uniform so I, I feel a lot of shame that that's what our country's come to um overall so what we have here is 
radical Marxism is being taught to our, our soldiers, our, our military members, radical Marxists, oh, I just hit my, radical Marxism is being pushed on our military. And when you look at this, it's, I mean, we talk about cultural Marxism a lot. Marxism is when you split the working class versus the owning class. And what they're doing by bringing cultural Marxism, where you, you divide by race, identity, uh, all forms of identity, so race, sexual orientation, religion, gender, all those things, you bring division in other ways. And so what this guy also mentions in his interviews is that the, the soldiers, the, the people are encouraged, the service members, they're encouraged to educate each other is what they said, educate themselves and educate each other. It's like, it seems Maoist. Uh, and then they're also told to seek out people who are committing political extremism and to call it out. And so they're, <laughs> what the what Lohmeyer says, he's like, you're asking us to like what rat on each other for our political views now? That's what it is. That's your, your goal in fighting political extremism in the military and the politicalization of the military is to ask service members to watch each other and report each other based on our politics. That's not really going to go over well. And so it's creating this tension, as he described it. He's creating this division between the people because it's so politicized now in an institution that really has never been politicized like this before. So that's creepy to me. Um, what I would also say of this is, I mean, he's being attacked for, you know, kind of blowing the whistle on how politicized it really is there. We need more people like him, of course, and I'll get into that. But the fact that he's being reprimanded for the politicalization of, of, of somebody being in the military, you're not supposed to get political. They're calling him exposing the use of Marxism and radical leftism in the military as political when usually you would be like oh that's a good thing we don't like that in america and that should be a basic concept the overton window has shifted so much on this and the overton window is basically like the the view of what is normal in our minds and so like for hundreds of years it was republicans versus democrats and radical leftists like we would never consider them as like normal politics we would never consider their policies their values we would never consider them normal and now the overton window has shifted so much to the left that the ideas of AOC, I mean, Chinese propaganda has been pushed at us too for the last year and we have no problem with it. The ideas that we're willing to embrace now are totally different and it shows that society, uh, our Overton window has shifted of what we consider normal politics. This also is considered it because I think uh, only a few decades ago, if somebody spoke out about this in the military, they wouldn't be reprimanded. Maybe they would be reprimanded for like speaking out of turn or wh whatever that may be or like promoting his book or whatever it is. But I do not think it would have been an accusation that he's being political. I think he would have been honestly rewarded in a time just a few decades ago in America. So that's incredibly sad too. From the big picture though, I don't know how many times I can say this, but I, I feel like I'm sounding less crazy when I say it. There's the checklist of what happens in a society when the left takes over, when you know it starts to crumble and it's, it's a slow transition. And so I'm very worried because if you look at what our country is made up of, it's, it's rule of law, balance of power, economic independence via capitalism where the people have the power, not the government controlling all business and industry. 
it's a strong education system and, and not necessarily the government, but it's just a, a strong, educated, classically liberal, uh, educated society. It's media where there's free speech, there's freedom of expression, of political opposition, and there's fair coverage. I mean, there's legitimate journalism. We believed in that, or we used to. And for now, I mean, when we look at what's going on, every aspect of what's so important in our society is being attacked. And so just some things that I can think of right now, if we look at what happened like in Venezuela, you had the socialist Chavez democratically elected. As soon as they were in power, they started changing the constitution. America is so fragile and so special and unique because we have an amazing system of balance of powers of check on power. And so when there's a bad actor, they can be followed up and checked out. And I'm going to talk about it in a little bit, but a great example is how all of those ridiculous mask mandate rules and social distancing rules that a bunch of people got in trouble for violating, you know, what does violating even mean over the last year, Ron DeSantis just announced that he's going to executive pardon them. That's why those things exist. That's why executive pardons exist. I know they've been politicized, really. It's like tradition for presidents to, you know, pardon people that might be beneficial to them, whatever it is. But the core idea of like being able to pardon someone is for somebody, an executive guy to say, the system didn't work well in this. You know, our process didn't work well here and it didn't provide justice. And so I'm going to just step in and say, you're getting justice here. And so I'll talk about it in a little bit, but it was a great example of providing that check. It's a very unique system. Some other things that provide checks include the electoral college, include the filibuster, and include a fair and balanced court system. And so when you have the left, which first of all, they're trying to get rid of the electoral college because they just want to swoop in and control every election. They're trying to pack the court while Biden is in office. Maybe they're going to do it with Kamala instead because she's probably going to be in office anytime now. Um, but either way, they're trying to pack the court and they're even trying to distort what pack the court means. I don't know if anybody noticed that. Wait. Mm. One second. Okay, I fixed it. Um, they're, they're trying to change what pack the court means. And so people are saying like, oh, no, pack the court just means like adding more, adding justices and stuff and like making sure that all the spots are full. No, packing the court means adding a bunch of new seats to the court that didn't exist at first at the same time so that when it's a, you know, five to four, say, like say it's five to four of, you know, more conservatives versus more liberal judges. If a liberal comes in like Joe Biden and says, I want to add four people to the court. Now you're going to have a situation where there is four liberals immediately added versus the original five conservatives. And so it's now eight versus five. Do you see what I mean? And then they fully control every decision that's being made. Um, that's what we're talking about with Pack the Court, where they added a strangely large amount of people to the court that's not natural. And it adds a whole handful of new people that will align with one side and just approve of every radical thing. Most importantly, though, the filibuster. The filibuster, I mean, I, I complain about, you know, what we're taught in terms of civics, but I will give my history teacher a lot of credit here. He was awesome. I got lucky, and I had a great, you know, history and social studies teacher and teachers. But um, the filibuster is literally in existence in order to prevent radical change from happening, prevent radical policy from being pushed through or being snuck through, stuff like that, where like maybe for one term in Congress and the Senate, a radical group that doesn't align with America's values at heart or and would do serious damage gets power. 
too quickly and it's not going to be good in the long run, the filibuster is intended to prevent really crazy stuff from being passed. So one person can stand up and say, I'm going to freaking stand against this. And that could literally stop it. It's supposed to be a check on power. The left wants to get rid of it. I wonder why. I wonder why. No wonder they want to do that. So that's three examples. They're trying to change major parts of our country's uh, protective measures, whether it's in our constitution or just our system of government, that provide the check on power and allow us to stay balanced. The left wants to get rid of it. What's another? They politicize the FBI. Our, our bureaucracy, our administrative agencies are being politicized, not just the military. We'll get into that. But think of the FBI. I mean, when I go on Twitter, I can't explain how mad this makes me. When I go on Twitter and I see pictures of the FBI's screenshotting like old ladies that were at the Capitol on January 6th. And they're like, we will find this vigilante, like whatever the word is. Like, we will find this evildoer, report her to us immediately. It's like it's like a little old granny in the picture. And they are acting like they are Osama bin Laden. And... I'm just shocked to see it. There was apparently a lot of dirty stuff that happened with the Trump administration, with what the FBI did, and, uh, Director Comey. Remember Comey? I'm so glad we don't have to talk about that guy anymore. Um, But just, again, examples of politicalization of our agencies and bureaucracy, and especially with what Obama's done. We'll get into that maybe another time. Uh, What else do they want to do? They want to defund our police, get rid of rule of law, and defund our police. What? I hear stories of people that live in Atlanta and they tell me that since they've defunded their police there, they don't have police to, you know, maintain order or respond to all the calls. And so most people just, you know, they will call and then the police can't come. There's nobody that can come. But they also, it's become cheaper and more efficient to just empty your cars at night in Atlanta and roll your windows down because you're going to have to just pay for a smashed window every week if you if you keep your windows rolled up because people will just smash the windows, feel around in it, and there's no cops to catch them because there just aren't enough. And I, I also heard another story. Apparently there's like a hit crew gang or whatever it is, and they are so fast at removing tires from cars that they're like as fast as people at like the raceways. And they can't get caught by cops because it takes them like only like a minute to take the tires off of an entire car. And they just go around the city stealing cars and they still aren't caught. And it's just like all because there aren't enough people to to put on these crimes because they defunded the police. The rule of law is completely gone with 2020 riots. I mean, for me, they taught a very valuable lesson to us average Americans that we are not as important as the woke protesters. We were all told that we were grandma killers for questioning the insane lockdowns on our small businesses. And then at the same time, last June, they went out in the streets of New York City. And I saw a protest of 12,000 people in the streets of New York City for black trans lives. Do you remember that? And then our small businesses, our lives were shut down in small town America. And then we had to look at the people in the cities going out 12,000 for black trans lives. But we were the grandma killers. It's hard to see that kind of stuff because we get the fines, we get punished, and they go out. And as long as you're protesting for the proper woke cause, then it's allowed. You're not grandma killing then. And so it taught us a very valuable lesson. All the looters and the rioters, you had people trying to just keep their gymnasiums open during COVID because they couldn't put food on the table. Hairstylists being sent to jail. 
because they needed to put food on the table for their families. They get punished, and then people rioted, looted, disobeyed COVID orders to go protest woke causes. It's fine. It's fine. No, no problem for them. So rule of law, or should I say fair and balanced system of justice, is also something that's gone now, apparently. The education system, say goodbye to that. Government school, my kids are never going. If, if I have kids, they're never going to public school because it's government school. Why would we trust them to teach our kids the values of limited government, the values of capitalism, the values of conservatism? I would never, ever expect that. And so my kids aren't going to public school. It's crap. The teachers' unions are run by radicals that are more interested in, in political wins. And there's 4,500 schools already that are teaching critical race theory in the 1619 Project. What about media, though? Do we have a fair and honest media? No, they just parrot whatever they're told to, whatever they think will fit their leftist narrative. It's propaganda. We don't have fair and honest media. And if you do have it, you're censored. Pop culture does the same crap, pushes absolute crap to our children. What about college? I mean, the college system's a scam. Our kids are indoctrinated and lied to, told half-truths or told no truths in middle school and high school about the history of America now. And then they're sent to a college where they are further indoctrinated and cannot stand up to their leftist professors who tell them terrible things and get them to support things like Marxism and socialism because they have no intellectual ammunition. They have, they have no understanding. They weren't given it when they were younger. And so why would they go into college with any ability to understand that they're being lied to now by leftist professors? But what's the other really interesting one? I run Young Americans Against Socialism, and I'm against socialism because it's the economic step to be able to implement radical ideas like communism. Communism is like the full-blown, right? Socialism is just the economic step. It's when you would rather have the government control business and industry in the name of the people, provide everything to all people, versus allowing the people to run and control the economy, the people to have economic and financial power. I prefer that because I think it's the truest freedom you can have to be able to provide and take care of yourself and those around you and, and to have that economic and financial independence. That's true freedom. Socialism is the opposite, where the government controls everything and provides everything. And when you have that kind of economic control, this is why socialism is bad. It doesn't just make things poor quality or expensive or limited. That's one thing. It's bad enough. The true struggle here, and this is why you're free under capitalism where you have your own economic and financial power, it's because you don't have to rely on anybody for anything. You should, you're as free as you want to be. With socialism, they can say, we provide your health care, we provide your retirement, your employment, your grocery availability. Like in Venezuela, they literally say what hour you're allowed to go to the grocery store that week. And then you go and there's limited options and you go back and you're barely able to eat food because people on average in Venezuela lost like 24 pounds in 2019 each. Uh, so either way, they're able to look at you and say, we control the X things that you need. And so you are going to do Y things in order to get X. That's just how it works. And so it's not only, you know, showing up at the local protests that weekend. I mean, they will do that. They will monitor. You have the government employers, the HR offices there. They monitor 
if you show up to the protest, are you wearing enough red to support communism? Crazy crap like that. But they also can monitor if you showed up at the last election. They can force desired behavior and action because they control you financially and economically. They control major aspects that you need to survive. They can control you. Now, what's interesting in America, did we skip the step of socialism because of woke corporatism? Did we just completely skip that phase? Or I think we're still going to see it. We're going to see, you know, they're going to keep advocating for their socialist policies, the Green New Deal, stuff like that, that advocates for government overtake of major industry. But what we have with woke corporatism, the people that, you know, control the airline companies, they're the ones mandating the masks. When you look at what happened in Georgia where a bill was passed and they pressured the MLB to pull a game from the state. When you see what happened with Christy Nome, where business told her that they would leave the state if she tried to protect women's sports in college by not allowing biologically male competitors to compete against biological women, they threatened to pull out of the state. It's very interesting what we're seeing of this woke corporatism that's become so woke with politics that they are forcing desired behavior and action from us because they do control us economically and financially. Same thing with big tech. Big tech is censoring us. We don't have freedom of speech and expression on the internet, which is really the public square of 21st century. And all of this is happening. And people will look at this and they'll say, well, you know, Morgan, obviously those are not good things that are happening, but this is America. It could never happen here. And first of all, what's so shocking to me is when I started talking to people from Venezuela, they would tell me stories that people from Cuba initially tried to warn them when Chavez was coming to power and when he was, you know, campaigning for office because he was democratically elected. Um, people from Cuba, who had escaped Castro, would try and warn and say, this guy sounds just like Castro. This guy sounds like exactly like what the people in Cuba said, the socialists, the communists, when they were coming to power. They promised us the same things of progress and justice and you know power to the working people and a better life, equality, stuff like that. And it didn't work out like that. Like They sound the exact same. And people would look in Venezuela at the people from Cuba trying to warn them about socialism and communism and the false promises, and they'd say, it's never going to happen here. It can never happen in Venezuela. We're the most resource-rich country in South America. We have the largest oil, oil reserves in the world, some of. Some of the largest oil reserves in the world. We're not an island like Cuba. It could never happen here. That's what they said. Isn't that hilarious? Because now Venezuelans and Cubans are in America saying, hey, uh, this sounds exactly like what happened to us. And Americans are saying, silly gooses, like we aren't like you guys. It could never happen here. The same conversation is happening. It could never happen here. And what we usually say in America is we're so different because we have these systems of checks and balances. We have our constitution. We have our rights that are guaranteed to us. We have our military that's full of conservative, you know, men and women that are patriotic. They understand our country's values, stuff like that. We have, our, you know, all this cool stuff. What? Because if you think about it, 
the left is trying to get rid of Second Amendment, of course. I mean, like, now they're posters at their their riots and stuff. They're like, we're going to take your guns. But they're also trying to get rid of major parts of our Constitution that allow for balance of power. They're trying to pack the court, get rid of the filibuster to be able to pass radical policies. Trying to get rid of the Electoral College to be able to control all aspects. Trying to allow millions of illegal immigrants into the country. Get them registered to vote and completely demean the integrity of our elections. And we're going to say, but it can never happen here. Like, we're in America with our Constitution and stuff. Yet, that's why they're attacking it. Because that's what sets us apart and keeps us different and protects us. Why do you think they're infiltrating the military, politicizing the military? Because that's our reason for why we say it could never happen here. That's our check. Same thing with Second Amendment. So if you look at accumulation of all of this, do you still look at this and say, oh, it can never happen here? It's like, are, is that what we're going to say as we're like being led off to the gulag? Oh, it can never happen here. This is America. But it's America. Like, is Captain America going to show up anytime and like stop this? No, no. I hate to say it to you. History is ugly. It's violent. It's aggressive. Most of it is. And the situation that we have in America right now is so privileged, so unique, so weakening because it's so great, so luxurious that we are so weak as a society. Major stuff is going on. Our military is being politicized. It's being weaponized. Our infrastructure is being weaponized. The left has taken over all aspects of our infrastructure as a country. And we're just looking at it like, oh, no, it's fine. We're America. It just can't happen here. So that's my thoughts on that, you guys. Uh, to wake people up, to make sure more people are aware of this, because most people are just like going to soccer practice on Saturday, having a little church sesh on, on Sunday, sitting on their front porch, chilling like a villain. They could care less. Be they couldn't care less because... They don't see anything wrong. We have to show them that something is happening here. This underbelly of a movement is on the rise. And I think what's going to do that is, is waking people up. What wakes people up are people like this Lohmeyer guy from the military. Yes, he lost his job, but he, he made a huge sacrifice to be able to warn the American people about the politicalization of our military. And I can't thank him enough. It was awesome. And so we need more people in the education system, whether it's teachers or students or parents who are seeing the curriculum that's being passed down. We need to expose them. We need to have people in unions. We need to have teachers speak out about what's happening behind the scenes. We need that in our agencies, in our bureaucracy. We need that in our military, in our college systems. We need people to speak out about what they're experiencing because average Americans will be on their side and they want to know. We deserve to know too. We deserve to know what's happening behind the scenes. We deserve it. Um, okay, I have a little bit of time to talk about this. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so next section, I'll call it vaccinated people should wear masks, uh, just like two plus two equals five. Just kidding. It's idiotic. And if you're saying vaccinated people should wear masks, I'm never going to take you seriously on another thing. The credibility of Fauci, of the CDC, and of any leftist that wants to wear a mask after being vaccinated is just gone. You know, I have respect for people on the other side, but this is just idiotic flat earther kind of crap. Uh, first of all, Fauci just came out and said, if you don't wear a mask or if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. It's kind of funny because two weeks ago he was at a Senate hearing with Rand Paul and everybody got mad at Rand Paul for saying this because Rand Paul was like, I feel like you're saying something that's truly just about optics. You're saying that we have to wear masks when we're vaccinated? Why is that? What is the science? Are you just playing politics? Is this just for optics? And Fauci was like, I am so offended that you would accuse me of, of playing optics about this. This is the science. We need to follow the science. Wear masks as vaccinated because we just don't know. 
Two weeks later, Fauci's on national television saying, well, you know, I only did that because I, I just wanted to make sure. And I, I just wanted to, you know, I didn't want to give anybody mixed signals. And so I did just wear the mask, you know, for looks. Hello, that's what optics are. And Rand Paul got like five million slaps to the face on Twitter by lefties and people in the middle who were so offended that he would challenge Dr. Fauci like this. Guess who was right? Rand Paul. I want more feisty people like Rand Paul exposing these radical people who got way too much power over the last two years, like or last year, like Fauci. But I have some good news, you guys. The two plus two equals fivers, aka the vaccinated mask wearers. This is fantastic. Because as frustrated I was as I was about that, I was kind of like, you know, we have to figure out how to fix the wrongs of what's happened in 2020 and 2021. How do we move forward from this? Because I'm honestly sick of hearing the flip-flop Fauci stuff. He flip-flops all the time. You never know what they're going to say. I don't trust them. No matter what they say, they have no credibility. I don't trust them at all. So what are we going to do to shake this up and to actually fix this? I want to go on the offense. I want people who are going to go to the offense. I want leaders who are going to do it. Ron DeSantis, our boy, Ron, um, he announced last week, this is so cool. He announced last week that he's pardoning all violators in Florida of mask and social distancing rules. And so like, what does that even mean that you violate? Apparently it's like thousands of people, apparently uh, thousands. So he went on Laura Ingram's show on Wednesday and it was with a couple, he like went on with them, a couple that had been arrested for keeping their gym open during COVID. Bravo to them, first of all. I mean, like this shows that, you know, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice, right? Um, he went on Laura Ingram's show and surprised the couple with the news that they were being granted clemency and that everybody else who was violating the rules over the last year or so is now going to be executive pardoned. And as I mentioned earlier, this is a great example of why our country is so great because not everything's absolute. If there are people who are messing up, if there are wrong decisions that are made that inhibit somebody's ability to have true justice, you can have a fix to that. And an executive pardon is a great thing. Here's my challenge to everybody out there listening. If you're in a situation where you could support in the next election a governor who's Republican, because I, I don't think Democrats are going to do this, if you, I'll put it like this, if you are a Republican governor and you do not do what Doc, Ron DeSantis just did, I will never vote for you in a higher up race. If you run for a higher office, but do not pardon every violator of mask rules and social distancing rules as soon as possible, I'm just not going to consider you as a serious potential leader for any higher office in the country. No credibility with me. I don't, I don't trust you. I don't think you have good values, and I don't think you see the bigger picture here of how wrong the last year was on hardworking average Americans. So I challenge you guys to do the same. We need to start encouraging people to do what Ron DeSantis just did. And if you are a leader, honestly, not just governors, if you're in Congress and you aren't advocating for this, if you aren't pushing for this concept of, of helping people out that were wrongly attacked for not you know, following a mask mandate last year, I'm not really interested in supporting you, and I, I just don't think we're going to align on values. So I challenge you guys to do the same thing, um, and I think we should all adopt this rule. That's just my thing. Um, 
pretty much the only time I'm like expected to wear a mask these days is when I go to the post office. And so I try and just sneak in without my mask and then go out. But it's, it's just one of those things like I don't want to get kicked out of the post office. So I can't wait for this mask thing to get over because I'm not getting vaccinated. Bottom line, I'll leave you with this. We actually have a vaccination surplus in the country now. Like if you want a vaccination, you can get your vaccination. That is like, isn't that what we tried to get to? Now we have a vaccination surplus. And by June 2020, 2021, we are projected to give 60 million vaccinations, sending them out to other countries. So this is a time really for us to be celebrating and, and happy that we're moving out of this terrible phase for our country. And instead, they're trying to like freak us out even more and keep us scared. Don't be scared. Just move on. Live your life. Don't ever listen to these terrible people with no credibility ever again. Flip flop Fauci. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me rant. Um, I'm going to go watch the Candace Owens show. Ciao, ciao.